We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I'm joined today by my man Ryan Roberts, who is the director of scouting for the NFL Draft Bible, and we are excited to have the NFL Draft Bible as part of our team now at uh, SI Fan Nation. And also, Ryan, you are a Notre Dame fan who also runs the uh, or is part of the Locked On Irish podcast. So if you are someone looking for more podcasts that – uh, maybe our podcast isn't enough for you, and uh, since we only do an hour or two a show a day, there's plenty of time left for more podcasts. Make sure you check out Ryan's podcast at uh, Locked On Irish. So, hey, Ryan, thanks for joining us here today to talk about Notre Dame draft prospects. Absolutely, Brian. Like you said, we got the Notre Dame side of everything. We got the NFL draft side of everything. So I couldn't be more happy to come on and talk a little ball with you. Yep, and we've done that now in the past on your uh, Locked on Irish podcast. So this is the first time I've had you on uh, on my show, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. So a lot of guys we've got to get to today. So we're going to break this down into segments. We're going to talk uh, Notre Dame offensive players first, then we're going to talk Notre Dame defensive players, and just kind of go through, get your opinion on each player. Uh, you know, we'll, we're, You're going to kind of put on your director of uh, of scouting for the draft hat right now. Uh, and kind of give us a, an idea of what you like about guys, you know, where you see them, you know, their draft fit being as far as, you know, round projection, and maybe even a little bit about some teams that you could see looking for some of the guys that are projected higher in the draft. So, you know, let's kick things off. When we talk about Notre Dame's offensive draft p- prospects, Ryan, it starts with the line. I mean, Notre Dame has four offensive linemen that are going to have a chance to get drafted, depending on how the medical things go for uh, for Tommy Kramer. So, 
Let's start things off with the highest graded, at least in my view, and the highest projected offensive line prospect, and that is left tackle Liam Eikenberg. So just kind of give your your overall impression of Liam, how he's developed, and kind of what you see from him when you break down the tape. Yeah, I mean, dating back to 2009 with Zach Martin at left tackle, Notre Dame, the, the man manning left tackle for Notre Dame has been a first-round selection. So there's obviously a lot of a lot of pressure that goes into playing left tackle at Notre Dame over the last you know dozen years here. So for a guy like Liam Eikenberg, I think that from there's varying opinions on him. I've heard some people with first round grades on him. I've heard some people somewhere into day two. For me, he's just that super consistent guy that he's not going to pop off at you. And most of the time, you don't want offensive linemen to really pop out at you, right? Like you want to not be able to notice those guys. For him. I think that he hits all the thresholds that you talk about from a scouting perspective with the size, length, arm length. I think he's a suitable enough athlete. For me, I think that there are maybe some reservations athletically. I don't think he's the most dynamic athlete of all time. I have him graded as a second-round pick, which I think that when you're talking about raw grades versus positional value, me saying a offensive tackle having an early second-round grade – means that when you boost the fact of like, hey, he plays left tackle, obviously one of the more paramount positions on the football team outside of the quarterback position, then we're talking about a borderline first-round prospect. I don't think that he is anywhere to the degree of a Ronnie Stanley or a Mike McGlinchey, but I keep comparing him to Riley Reef, who's been in the NFL forever, who's a very rock-solid left tackle for a long time, and NFL teams are going to clamor for that, and they're going to want that. So for me, I think Liam has a very good shot of finding a spot in the first round. But I think that there is a little more back and forth because it, it, for the NFL draft side of everything, like it only it, everyone always says it only takes one team to fall in love with you. That mm -hmm. is absolutely correct. But if you get past that team, then you're talking about a potential little bit of slide, right? Like that right. is kind of the, the guessing game a little bit. So I think Liam has a very good chance of going round one. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's early second when all is said and done, just because I think that there's some people are just going to look at him and say, like, I don't know if there's a ton of upside. But when mm -hmm. you look at Liam Eikenberg, you know that he's a steady, consistent contributor that could play probably left. And even though he only played left tackle in Notre Dame, could probably play in multiple spots on the offense line as well. And you talked about the last two left tackles that get drafted, and that would be uh, obviously Ronnie Stanley was the number six pick in the 2016 NFL draft, and then Mike McGlinchey was the number nine pick in the 2018 NFL draft. When you compare McGlinchey to the, or Eichenberg to those two guys, it's interesting you say that he's not the prospect that those guys are. And, and there's no one that views him as the prospect that those guys are. Right. But what, like for me, however, I graded his 2020 season, right? And that's different from a draft evaluation, the projection. But I thought he was a better player in 2020 than McGlinchey was in 2017 and Stanley was in, in 2015. And the biggest reason for that is, is what you hit on consistency. He doesn't have the highlight tape blocks that they had, especially McGlinchey in the run game. But he is about as steady he, – he is Zach Martin to me as far as steadiness. Different players, but the steadiness. Maybe he does – he's not as sexy, but that steadiness. And that is something that people like us, you know, analysts and, and, and people like you guys, the draft people, and even, you know, head coaches. But offensive line coaches are going to love that about him in my opinion, which is going to make the draft discussions really, really interesting because the scouts are going to love that guy that ran the 4.95, you know, or the guy with the 36-inch arms. But the offensive line coach is going to be like, yeah, but that guy 
that guy makes blocks. <laughs> and right. that's so so when you compare him to McGlinchey and Stanley, what is it that you see or don't see from Eichenberg that he doesn't project as high as those two other players? So so for me, when you're talking about the offensive tackle position, what scouts, NFL teams, evaluators really clamor for and they get excited about is you always talk about these thresholds and these athletic uh, traits that people want to see so far. This arm length, 34 plus inches, this height, 6'5 plus. For me, Eichenberg hits those thresholds, but when you compare them to a guy like a Mike McGlinchey, for instance, like you saw Mike and you could project that body, you could project that type of athlete, a guy that was a former tight end in high school for a large portion of his career, and you could see that athleticism. And when they're playing against guys like Miles Garrett's of the world who are just you know made on different planets and just aliens, basically, these guys that are 6'5 plus, super flexible, super athletic, it is important for the guys that are counteracting them to have those type of traits. Because when you think about who have been the best offensive tackles in the league over the last few years specifically, like let's just go in a small scope, not even a larger scope. We're talking about Tyron Smith, Teron Armstead, Lane Johnson. Like these dudes aren't just, you know, technicians and solid because they're always going to be those guys that can be like the David Bakhtiari or the Riley Reef that I kind of compared Liam to. But those guys that have been the best offensive tackles in the league, specifically, specifically at left tackle, are the guys that like they're going to the combine and they're running four eight plus at that size. They're former tight ends, they're former quarterbacks in the Lane Johnson instance. Like these guys are absolute freak of natures, and I just think that that position it's so paramount to have those athletic and those size thresholds because again, you're playing against who in most cases are the most talented players on the defense. Are there any teams that you see kind of when you get down to like that twenty? range to like 20 to 35 which is where i could kind of see liam falling or not falling but fitting are there any teams that you kind of have your eye out for that you could see maybe a fit there where it's a left tackle needy team that has a quarterback that they just need to protect because when you i think when you get into that 20 to 30 range the sexy players are gone you're now looking for more of a steady you know, maybe he won't be an eight-time All-Pro, but he's going to be a ten-year starter, and he's going to protect your left tackle. Are there any teams that you could see as potential landing spots for Liam Eikenberg in that twenty to thirty-five range? Yeah, it's it's not a perfect answer to your question because the Indianapolis Colts need to figure out what their quarterback position is going to look like. But for me, they're they're losing Anthony Costanzo this offseason, and he was kind of a guy that is in that similar mold to a Riley Reef. He's been just a super consistent left tackle for a long time. He's not going to have the Pro Bowl honors, the All-Pro honors that that might classify him as an outstanding football player. But for the people that watch Anthony Costanzo when he came out of Boston College and since then, very solid, good football player. and has been. You haven't had to worry about the left tackle position for Indianapolis in a long time. So I think that Liam could fit potentially really well there. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers was another one that pops out pretty easily for me. They're potentially losing Alejandro Villa in a wave of this offseason left tackle. They're a team that is in serious need up front because they lost Marquise Pouncey. They're going to lose Villa in a wave. There's a lot of uncertainty there. And I think especially at left tackle, you need to figure out because, I mean, the two most important positions potentially on your offensive line, right? We're talking left tackle and center. They're losing both this offseason. You need to figure one out, and you still have Ben potentially for another year. They need to start to figure out life after Roethlisberger. But for now, if you think that you still have a winning window open for a team that won 12 games last year, I think that you need to really 
really, really kind of put a Band-Aid on it for now, and you need to figure out left tackle position specifically because Ben is not the mobile guy that he was once coming out of Miami, Ohio. He's, he's a statue back there, so you need to be able to protect him well, and I think that Pittsburgh Steelers might be a very good option for Liam Eichenberg later in the first round. And, of course, their last two picks from Notre Dame have worked out pretty well and Stephon to well. and Chase Claypool. So uh, the, certainly see, understand the fit there. And, and he's a Cleveland guy, so uh, I'd be inter- would be interesting to see how Cleveland people would react to Lee Meikenberg getting picked up by the Steelers. Yeah, be pretty funny. It's uh, you know, it's it, it, you're a fan of who the, who who drafts you, right? So yeah, absolutely, Mike, per, perfect spot there. And I, I think that you know, it's uh, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Unfortunately, Cleveland has their left tackle position figured out, so it might not be a good fit there. Unfortunately but. for Liam, fortunately for the Browns, because that that you know yes. that was a question mark after you lose. I mean, there aren't many teams that can lose a Hall of Famer at left tackle, mm-hmm. and then so easily, not easily, so quickly find that that next guy. So certainly doing a good job there with the Browns. Absolutely. Yep. Jedrick Wills had a very easy transition over from right tackle to left tackle for the Cleveland Browns as a rookie, which, which, you know, you kind of highlighted there. I think that, you know, you might not want to see Liam on the other side of things if you're, if you're a, uh, if you're a Cleveland guy, but uh, just nice to be able to see one of your own succeed and potentially be a first round selection. Mm -hmm. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's talk about uh, Aaron Banks. Notre Dame left guard. Uh, to me, he is the polar opposite of Liam Eikenberg in that he does have a lot of those measurables, that projectable athleticism, but the consistency has never been there. So you kind of, your scouts are going to view him in a completely different site, uh, kind of in a different light than you would Liam Eikenberg. Talk to me about what you see, the things you see from Aaron Banks on film, the things that you like about him when you break down the film. Well, when you when you look at Aaron, it's it's kind of funny because he almost has offensive tackle measurables. You know, mm. over six foot five, he nearly has thirty four inch arms. Obviously, he weighed in at the Senior Bowl at three hundred thirty eight pounds, so he is a big young man. He's healthy to say the least, you know. And he's been a guy that 
I've been excited about it over the last couple of years. I keep talking about it on, you know, a couple of different podcasts that Aaron Banks, this is early in the season. I'm like, he's a, he is going to need to be talked about because even mm-hmm. though he's a redshirt junior, you know, technically, and he's not, he has a year of eligibility remaining too, technically with the extra year that these guys are given. I felt that he was a guy that was going to enter the 2021 draft. And obviously we had talked about that a little bit in the past. So he was a guy that I, I think that people really need to kind of get an understanding of. And because I feel like being on Notre Dame's offensive line with three other guys that are in this year's draft cycle and then obviously an outstanding center in Jared Patterson, who we're going to be talking about probably this time next year, being on that offensive line, playing left guard, you're going to be undervalued a little bit, you know, because he's not playing left tackle. He's not playing center. He's not even playing right tackle where Robert Haynes is playing. So we're talking about a slightly undervalued position. But when you watch Aaron Bass play, I mean, man, it's, it doesn't take long to get excited. <laughs> like he, I mean, sometimes, I mean, moving in space on screens, even though, even though I don't think he's the most explosive athlete of all time, he's a smooth mover. Mm-hmm. I think he can fit into both power and, and um, zone schemes inside or outside zone. I think he's a good enough athlete to do either. I think he can absolutely overwhelm some dudes at the line of scrimmage. And for me, I, I would agree that there is a lot of variance on what people – our opinions are of Aaron Banks. I've talked to some people that have second round grades. I've talked to some people that have sixth round grades. So it's a, that's a high variance of four round grade four rounds. You know that you don't hear that too often. Usually it's like a couple like, Oh, second to fourth you're hearing, but some people have a little bit of a lower opinion on him, which is a little odd for me because I know I, I put, I put an early third round grade on him. I'm a big fan of Aaron Banks. I think he is one of the big risers in the offensive interior offensive line class this season. I'm a big fan. I think he's a starter relatively early in his career, and he does some things on film that just are pretty unnatural for a guy his size. So when I look at Aaron, I am I am so excited. I'm happy that some people are starting to get their eyes on him for the first time in NFL draft circles who maybe didn't know too much about Aaron Banks. But I, ju- I just look at him and I just say, that guy's going to start for the next 10 years. Like, an offensive guard, like, I think he's that potentially good. Uh, just a little odd that there's a little soap. There's such a high level of variance for what people do have opinions on Aaron Banks. For. Yeah, two two to six is a really really big, big difference, especially yeah. for an offensive lineman. And I think for me, I I I get it though. I, I do. I th- and I think the Senior Bowl was a great example. I mean, there were some reps from Aaron Banks where you're like, yeah, that's late first round talent right there. And then there's reps where you're like, why has he got his arm, his hand so wide that he He's like patting the guy on the back, you know, and, and that's the thing from Aaron is when he's on, he's brilliant. I mean, he's a dominant first round caliber player to me because what I see from Aaron Banks is I could see an offensive line coach falling in love with him and saying, that's a right tackle. And I think yeah. the opportunity he got at left tackle against Florida State, you know, going against Josh Kando and their ends when, when Lee Meikenberg was out with the eye. And I thought he handled himself really well. I mean, Chris Tyree's long touchdown run was with, you know, Aaron Banks at left tackle and Dylan Gibbons in the game. So, you know, and I think the fact that he did come to Notre Dame as a tackle, and we've seen Notre Dame players move around and be successful moving around to to varying degrees. I could see a team saying, hey, we're, we, we like him because maybe he can get a shot at right tackle. And that's what you talked about earlier is that that one team that's going to fall in love with him. Um, but – he he's an interesting player because I think he's a guy more than anyone else that's going to need to have the O line coach sign off on him. You know that you've got to have an O line coach that you feel can develop players because I think with like Liam Meikenberg and Robert Hainsey, they're plug and play guys because they are what they are. They're advanced. They're technically sound. They're smart. They're just consistent, steady. 
with Aaron Banks, you got to have an O-line coach that says, yeah, I can clean that up. I can shore that up because, because you don't see the same Aaron Banks snap after snap and game after game. No, no, you absolutely don't. And, and I would be willing to say, Brian, that, you know, if you just take the best of Aaron Banks, like his best games, we're talking, it's a pretty good offensive guard class. Mm-hmm. You know, if you classify Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, which I do as a guard, even though most people classify him as a tackle, you're talking about Trey Smith down at Tennessee. There is some really good offensive guards. Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. For me, when Aaron Banks is at his best, he's the most dominant offensive guard in this class when he's at his base. But like you said, that high variance of grades is also because his play is high variance as well. There's some mm-hmm. rough moments in the senior bowl, like you said, was a great example. There were some reps where you're like, sign me up. There it is. I can see it. First two rounds, easy money. But then there's others where like his feet just get a little complacent. He lunges a little bit. Like his his chest gets too far out in front of his toes. He loses balance. Like there's just some inconsistencies there. But I mean, you can get really excited to see the best of Aaron Banks, which is why I think that he's going to go a lot higher than maybe some people anticipate here. Do you see any teams that 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 um, could be fits there? Like you know, do you see some teams like, hey, this is a guard needy team? Uh, that runs a scheme or has an O-line coach that's going to salivate. Because you know how it is. There's a lot of O-line coaches that like projects. Mm-hmm. They like that guy they got to coach up. And and I'm also curious to see how this draft class in particular, if it's going to still have the same Harry Heastan impact that I think I think Mike McGlinchey goes number nine because he played for Harry Heastan. I'm, I'm someone, and you don't need to comment on this. It's just my opinion. I believe if, if Mike McGlinchey didn't play for Harry Heastan, he probably falls 10 spots. That's just my opinion. I didn't view him as a top 10 pick. But there's that Harry Heastan stamp of approval type of thing. Well, this was a guy that Harry Heastan recruited. This is a guy that Harry Heastan re- coached for a season. So, And this is the last – this class is the last of that group. So I'm really curious to see – if there's a couple of offensive line coaches that could really fall in love with him for the exact reasons that you mentioned, are there any that you kind of have in mind that you could see this team maybe in round two or in round three saying, if that guy's there, we have to go get him. Yeah. One that really pops out because I live right outside of Philadelphia. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are ready for a massive rehaul on the interior offense line. They're talking about Jason Kelsey potentially, potentially retiring. It's been a kind of a conversation for the last couple of years. Isaac Siamalu at left guard is just kind of a guy like, you know, you can always upgrade an Isaac Siamalu for, in my opinion. So plugging a guy like Aaron Banks potentially in at left guard, I think is a great, great potential move potential suitor for him. Miami Dolphins is another one that really pops out. Like they spent some money last offseason on Eric Flowers at left guard. But what the Miami Dolphins want to do offensively with how they have drafted offensive linemen with Robert Hunt now playing right tackle and uh, and having Eric Flowers in left guard, for me, he fits what they want to do so much. And I could see Miami just getting him and maybe taking a little bit of dead cap but getting that, that contract of Eric Flowers off the books at, uh, this season. And getting a guy like an Aaron Banks and just plugging him immediately in. Those are a couple teams that like just immediately off the top of my head, I think that they make a ton of sense. And Because and, and, I think that he is – I don't think he's scheme dependent. Like I think that he can last, like I kind of said. I think he can play mm-hmm. – in, run in, inside zone. I think he can run outside. I think he can be in a gap power system. But for me, I think I think gap power teams especially, teams that are asking you, hey, we're, we're – we're just trying to drive block and we're dominating up front. Like for me, that's the guy, the kind of teams that are really going to look mm-hmm. at Aaron Banks with that sheer size and ability to convert 
uh, such heavy dose of power in tight spaces. Like for me, that is what Aaron Banks does best. Gap power schemes. But I think that the Philadelphia Eagles and Miami Dolphins, just off the top of my head, make a ton of sense just for the needs that they have and how that teams have been built in the past. I think for me, his improvement this year, and we saw it in the Senior Bowl, the actual game, uh, his improvement playing it on the second level is for me why I think teams like that are going to love him because not only can he deliver that four, I mean him and Liam Meikenberg had you know some of the most just disgusting like holy wow like even against Alabama there were some double teams where they were just taking guys and blowing them off the ball yeah. and, and but then to see Aaron this year if you go back I think it was the I think it was the the Clemson touchdown run. Uh, but you watch him on a second level, it, he improved dramatically there. Because I think in his first two years, he was more of a, a level one guy. He was really good at level one, but that timing, that footwork in space, he got so much better to me as a senior when it comes to uh, improving on the second level. That's why I think some of those guys – because you know this. It's one thing to blow a guy off the ball, but if you can't then get off to the linebacker, Mm-hmm. you're not in the next level. You're no good. Uh, I think that was a big thing that I think improved for him. And, and uh, he's just going to, like I said, he's going to have to go somewhere that they're, they're willing to coach him up a little bit, but the tools are certainly there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I mean, it not football is a numbers game, right? If we're wasting two offensive linemen on one player, that is, you lost the battle there. Mm-hmm. So being able to get up to the second level, like you're saying is so paramount. And I think that that really does highlight the, untapped potential that Aaron has because I think he's a much better athlete than some people get given credit for because they're going to see six foot five, three thirty eight, and they're going to assume that he is just a very scheme specific player. But I do not think that he's scheme dependent at all. I think there's a lot of teams that could use a guy like Aaron Banks. And I think that there's a whole lot of, uh, a lot of offensive systems that he can fit into potentially. Now, now let's talk about uh, former Notre Dame, right tackle uh, and guard center. Now guard center prospect, Robert Hainsey. Um, I'm going to give you my take on Robert Hainsey. You tell me what you think about it, or you can just dive into it. Either one, it, I'll leave it up to you. I have, I will not be shocked if Robert Hainsey starts more games in the NFL than anyone else that we're talking about in this, in this draft, because I think, I think what, when you talk about everything that an offensive line coach wants outside of measurables, Robert Hainsey has. Two-time captain at Notre Dame was the only captain at, captain at IMG Academy his senior year. Credibly experienced, absolutely going to come with the Harry Heastand stamp of approval uh, in in a lot of different ways. Consistency, and I think the biggest thing is he is in a, in an era when you're dressing sometimes seven, eight offensive linemen in a game. Having a guy that can play four different, I think the only position he can't play at at least in a game where you're you need to plug him in is probably left tackle. And even there, I think if you had to put him in an emergency situation, he could get you out of a game. But I think he's a guy that could start at three different all three interior positions and could play right tackle in, in a pinch if you needed it to in the right system. Uh obviously lacks the length. Uh he's very his measurables were almost identical to Zach Martin's, which is why he's projected as an inside guy. But I think he is one of the most underrated players and I think he's the epitome of steadiness he's not flashy he doesn't have Liam Meikenberg will have some dominant blocks Robert Hainsey does not I think he's an incredibly steady player in some NFL team and is going to say we got to have that guy and he's going to surprise people and start for a very long time that's just my stance on Robert Hainsey because I've been breaking him down now for four years and I'm just watching him win battle after battle after battle and just never gets the love and appreciation that that I think his his level of play at Notre Dame 
projected. What say you, Ryan? Well, I think you hit it on the nail on the head. And, and a great point, Brian, is the fact of everybody wants to talk about, you know, oh, he's the starting left tackle for this amount of years. There are a lot of players that make a long career out of being able to back up multiple position, that swing player, the swing tackle, the swing interior player. And for me, I agree. I think that Robert Hainsey is going to be able to back up all three interior positions or start at least at one inter- at one interior position and back up the other two and play some right tackle in a pinch if, you know, chaos ensues. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me who was the biggest winner in Senior Bowl week out of Notre Dame prospects, I would tell you it's Robert Hainsey. I know everybody wants to talk about Dalen Hayes, who had a great week. Everybody wants to talk about Adi Ongadiji, who had some insane measurables. Mm-hmm. But when you look to ask me who helped themselves the most, because Robert Haines, he went into the game being a four-year player at right tackle. We hadn't seen him inside. And, I, I mean, my immediate was, response was after you see the 32-inch arms was, hey, he's going to be a guard. But the revelation of the week for me was being able to see him snap the football and to win some one-on-ones snapping the football. So now my understanding of Robert Hainsey has changed a little bit. It's a Mm -hmm. pure projection because we haven't seen him in at center, but I saw him dominating some very good football players on a lot of reps in at center. So now my thought process is, is Robert Hainsey a starting caliber center? I think that he can be. Why can't he be? He's battle-tested. He's consistent. He's a technician. He understands leverage clearly. Why can't he be that guy? And he showed consistent snapping all week, even though it wasn't a thing that he hasn't done in a game up until that, you know, that mm-hmm. point. So I'm excited about Robert Hainsey, and I think that he is going to carve out a long niche, and I think that he's going to be a day three steal for someone because at worst we're talking about a valuable swing player on the next level that's going right. to back up multiple positions. But for me, is he a starting caliber center? I think he might be because right. I think that the smarts – the toughness, the consistency, everything that you highlighted, I think all play really well into playing center. And I think that he could be that communicator on offensive line because he's been, he's just been that, that guy for Notre Dame. You know, the guy that you're talking about from the leadership quality, the communicator perspective, like he's just been that, that beam of consistency for Notre Dame for four years. So I'm looking at him and I'm just saying, why can't he be a starting caliber center? I think all the tools are there to work with. And I think uh, from what I've heard too, talking to different sources, he crushed it at the senior bowl from an interview standpoint, but that should shock no one that, I mean, you, you're a Notre Dame fan. That should shock no one. I mean, that's just kind of who Robert Hainsey is, but, but I thought the scene, I thought I, I would say this, not only did he improve the most, I thought he had the most at stake at the senior bowl. Agreed. I, I think because, because again, he's not a, he's not an NFL tackle. Like I don't see anyone saying we're going to start him a right tackle. When I talk about, he can play tackle. It's more of a, you're in a game and you're down a couple guys and you need someone to get you out of that game. I think Robert Haynes, could get you out of that game. And that's important. But like you said, that versatility alone would get him drafted. If someone then views him as to me, the senior bowl, and this is my opinion, this isn't talking to any sources. This is strictly my opinion, knowing NFL teams and, and coaches the way that I do, there are going to be some O-line coaches that are going to now be having a completely different conversation about Robert Hainsey. To your point, hey, can this guy be a starter? Can this guy be a starting center? You know, when I and I look at you know his his size, right, which is the knock on him, his length and his size is not as much of a it is not as really an issue at center. Because the thing about center that's different from every other position in the NF in the on the offensive line, center is the one position that you can protect from both sides. And it's harder to do that at guard in the NFL because your tackles have to spend so much time on the edge in protection. 
center can always be protected some way, somehow. We've seen plenty of undersized centers that have been outstanding NFL football players because they under, they're they they're quick off the ball. They play with good leverage. They, they understand angles and all that kind of stuff. And I think Robert Hainsey has that. I also think his athleticism plays up better at center than it did at tackle. I, I think that's another big thing. I, I think he went from being a an average right tackle athlete to a good athlete at center. And I think that's another factor in it. So I I, I think that there are going to be some NFL teams that are going to be having completely different conversations about Robert Hainsey as they dive more into the film after they talk to Harry Heastan and then obviously after what they saw from him at the Senior Bowl. Because to your point, I not only did I think, he, like I said, not only did I think he had – the best week, I think he had the most at stake. I think the only other guy that you can maybe argue had more at stake was was maybe Ian Book just because of the position that he plays. And it is a – after the first batch of first-round quarterbacks, there's a big drop-off. I could see him with a great week having snuck up a little bit. I don't think that he did. But I, I just think Robert Haynes, he had a lot at stake and the fact that he stepped into it playing positions – I mean, there were times you saw it, right? He played both guard spots and center, not just in practice, but in the game, and played them all like he'd been doing it for years. Especially, I thought he was really good at guard, um, which you'd expect a little bit more of an easier transition to guard. But the center piece on day two when he started playing center, I, I thought that really just skyrocketed him in my view. Yeah, and, and it's it's a it's another great point because we it, we're at, we're talking about a player that's going to have to do something on the next level that we had never seen him. So obviously mm-hmm. everything is at stake for him. Like we, you don't have reps of him at guard, you don't have reps of him at center. That's the first time you're going to see it. So if we're projecting him to a different position, I mean it's a, it's not a great comparison, but like Braxton Miller a few years ago, the quarterback from Ohio State, you had you had barely seen him play wide receiver at Ohio State, barely, barely, barely. He was a wildcat guy basically. Mm-hmm. Goes to Senior Bowl. Show some chops as a route runner, show some dynamic ability, and then he's drafted in the third round. Now, he obviously didn't pan out. Like, I think a Robert Hainsey has a better chance because he's just so darn consistent. But you, you had never seen those reps, and you would never have had those reps if you didn't have that opportunity, especially in a draft process year where the NFLPA Bowl was fully virtual, the East-West Shrine game was fully virtual. This opportunity that Robert Hainsey had, not only was it huge for him just in a limited resume-building draft process, but also you made the most of your opportunity. You showed that, hey, I can play these multiple positions. Even though you never saw me there before, I'm competing against some of the best seniors in the country at something that is completely foreign to me and completely new. And I think that he, again, was the biggest winner if you're talking about just from where he started to where he finished. Robert Haynes, he had an outstanding week, and the arrow is pointing firmly up for him. Let's just quickly wrap up with Tommy Kramer. I think this is an interesting one. He obviously, of all the guys we talked about, came in with the highest recruiting profile. He was a five-star recruit. Uh, I just think that that when I watch Robert Hainsey, I just I don't think he's going to – a big part of the NFL draft is you got to pass the medicals, right? And you've got to avoid the, the medical red flags. I think when I look at Tommy Kramer, I see a guy that has NFL talent, but I don't think he has NFL consistency – and I think his inability to stay healthy for for really his entire career are, is ultimately going to be why I view him as a bottom of the draft guy at best, likely an undrafted free agent. Agree? Disagree? Thoughts on uh, thoughts on Tommy Kramer as a, as an NFL draft prospect? Yeah, we we put a late round grade on him just mostly because he's another guy that's low high variance. There's some people that we've talked to that really like um, Tommy Kramer a bunch, and then there's a lot 
that have UDFAs on them, have PFAs on them because they just don't know what to expect, you know, from those medicals. And it's a big red flag and it's a big question mark right now. I think it's a little telling that like, Hey, you, you are this high recruit coming out five-star kid. You started a ton of football games, starting at right tackle, then moving into guard and you were a three-year starter at right guard. And why are you not a guy that is on the all-star circuit? Why are you not a guy that's getting these invitations? Like, I think it's a little telling on what some people do have opinions of him, but I, I think that it's really just going to come down to the medicals. I think he's probably a late round guy if everything checks out, but I have my doubts because it, he's another guy that's super inconsistent on film. Like it's just, it's just up so up and down. Like there are things to get excited about. There's some natural power. He's got a really powerful lower half. He's got some length to him. Like there's some things to really get excited about. But I just think that there's just too many question marks for him. That why so many guys fell in the draft last year and went on draft is because they did not have verified measurables. They're not able to just look at a guy and verify everything that they see on film. For a guy like Tommy Kraber, unfortunately for him, some people are going to verify things that he's probably not want to get verified, you know, with the medicals. So it's it's a tough one for Tommy. I, I'm hoping for the best, obviously, for him for being a guy that contributes so much to Notre Dame. He's an awesome but, kid, too. That's a th- anyone that knows him, he's a great kid. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong and somebody falls in love with him and takes him in round four or five. But I just – I have a hard – and I, I think to your point, too, is that we were talking earlier about, you know, you talk about the, the athleticism and how kind of that's a bit of a knock on Liam Eikenberg. There's a big drop-off between the first three guys and Tommy Kramer when it comes to athleticism. Uh, I like his I like his vertical athleticism. I think he has a really nice burst off the ball. He can come off. He can really hammer you. But as you know in the NFL, you're not getting to do that a whole lot. You've got to be able to change – got to be able to handle loops. you got to be able to handle linebacker. you got to be able to come off – double teams and pick up those loopers and the, the blitzers and all those kind of things. NFL teams aren't just lining up and shooting gaps. I mean, you know, that they line up in. And that's where I think he's had issues for much of his career is that what's that second move? If he can just come off and just bull you, he's going to be fine. But you just don't get that opportunity as much in the NFL. And I and I don't see the same projectability with him being able to handle that as I do with Hainsey and, and, and Banks inside and then Liam Meikenberg on the perimeter. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just a lack of flexibility. There's a reason mm-hmm. that they moved him inside the guard to begin with. Right. Like there's just right. no flexibility to him as an athlete. There's just, I think there's just too much to overcome for, for Kramer. I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have a tough time latching on to a, to a team long-term, unfortunately. 